0: If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes.
1: He's got it! Touchdown, Jack Doyle! And he's going to be brought down inside the 15, and it's going to go to DeForest Buckner. Huge hole! He's at the 30, he's going to go! 10, 5, touchdown! From the Power Home
0: Solar Studio, let's get the podcast started. Hey everyone and welcome into a special edition of the Colts official podcast brought to you by WinBet. I'm JJ Stankovitz, joined here by Lara Overton and our guest today, general manager of the Indianapolis Colts, Chris Ballard. Chris, thanks so much for taking the time and before we begin, I got to talk about a big addition to the Indianapolis area. You a Torchy's Tacos guy? <laughs> yes. So you saw their opening oh, one yeah. in Fisher's. Oh,
1: absolutely.
0: How soon are you gonna be there when oh, it no, opens? we will
1: go. But I can't lie to you. There I've got this little spot called Taqueria. It's in Westfield that I mean I think we eat there once a week. Um so pulling my kids away from Taqueria, because they've never been a you know, they've never been a torchy's Taco guy. Okay. You know, they've never uh-huh. had it. Um, so it'll be, But we will definitely hit
0: it. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm I'm going to be first in line to get my trailer park and a Democrat there. <laughs> I'm so excited about that. But we got some other things we want to talk to you about here, Chris. And I, I want to start with this. You talked in your season-ending press conference last week about the, the, the post-mortem process that goes on here after the season. What have you learned, even just in a couple of days since we last talked to you, through that post postmortem process, that maybe you didn't a week ago.
1: Well, we just like that first, you know, after you know the season ends, it's always you know, like it's always an abrupt ending, and um, you know, usually that first week we spend a lot of time, you know, visiting with our players, um, and you know, coaches do exit interviews. I'll do a lot of exit interviews, which I'm still doing with players as they trickle in and and start to leave Indy uh, to go back home. Um I don't know if we've got any real answers yet but what I will tell you is there's an extreme disappointment in everybody you talk to um about how things ended and how it wasn't expected to end it that in that way um and I know organizationally and I know from you know at every level from you know the front office to coaches to players that you know it's a huge disappointment Um, and everybody's really disappointed and, but they're also determined to not ever let it happen again. Um, so that's been something that, you know, you know, sometimes guys, you know, I've been places where guys, you know, like they're checking out like season's over, I'm out, but we still actually got a lot of guys still hanging around here, trying to wrap their mind around what happened and, you know, how we, how it we don't allow it to happen again.
2: Chris, as thorough as you are in the postseason process, why is it important to not have a knee-jerk reaction as you search for these answers and everyone holds each other accountable?
1: I think when, I mean, I think it can go both ways where, like, even after a year where you've won and you've been in the playoffs where you've got a a really good, I mean, it's not a great feeling because you didn't win the Super Bowl, but you got a little more positive feeling. So, and you can almost just human nature to look at the brighter side of things instead of really honestly having an honest, objective evaluation about your team. Um, and, you know, I've got to keep that in mind now as we're evaluating our team and everything we do, um, you know, the, the bad taste of the lo- the last two losses of the season um, and, and also take into account that, look, we did do some good things. It, everything wasn't just totally, you know, down the tubes. Um, So being objective, working through each and every area, having some really honest, hard conversations, you know, whether you win or you lose, um, I think is important for any organization. Like the hardest thing to do, I think, for any organization is to self-evaluate because everybody's got bias. Um, That's real. And, you know, being able to understand what your biases are and have people around you that, that you know, they've got some bias, too. Um, but all of you look at it objectively and really make a final determination on what, you know, what are the issues, what are the problems, how do we fix them, and how do we move forward?
0: Uh, about how long does that process take after a season?
1: It, it's a month. It's a month, you know, four to six weeks. Um, and, you know, we just started, you know, meeting with our coaches. Um, and it's really fresh, which I'm always a little leery when it's so fresh. Um, but I wanted to dive into it right now. Um, and then we'll continue to do it for the, you know, for the next four to five weeks.
2: One of the things we talked with Colt's great Jeff Saturday about is, You know, the motivation that you take away from the end of the season when you see teams that you beat or that you were in contention with advancing to the playoffs or having success in the playoffs. You mentioned those conversations that you've had with players and a lot of guys who have stuck around. We see guys, you know, in the building. What accountability or how much motivation, what is it that these guys are committing to doing over the course of the next few months before you're able to get everyone back together for what we hope to be a much more normal? Off-season type of program.
1: Yeah. Well, look. Every I, I say this every year. Like every year's a new year. All right. And um, and it is. It's the team's different. You got new players. Sometimes you have a few new coaches on the staff. So every year is a little bit of a new. Is it is. It's a new year. But I mean, we're not going to just gloss over. You know, especially the last game. I mean, what happened? How we played? Um, and I don't. I think anybody that's back in this building next year, um, th- there's going to be a constant reminder of, hey, this is this is how it ended. It wasn't right. Um, we're we're a better football team than what we put on display. Um, and I think you got a lot of guys right now that are ready to work, go back to work. You know, a little quicker than they usually would. I mean, they'll take their normal break, but I think they'll go back to work. Um, you know, more determined to to have a better outcome next year. And like I told our guys, I said, "Look, we can talk and say all the right things, but at the end of the day, you know, the proof's in the pudding, um, and you gotta you gotta earn the right to win in this league, and you know that's what we that's what we plan to do."
0: So, what what have you heard from players? You know, like Lara mentioned, you know, having guys still in the building. When I drove in today, I, I mean, I saw the player parking lot; it's still pretty full now. Like there are a lot of guys still here. So, when you're talking to these guys, you know, even now a week and a half out from the end of the season, like, what's the overwhelming message you're getting from them?
1: Just of one of what happened, why did it happen? Um, they still got questions. Um, and one of the, like, I, the one thing I'll give our players a lot of credit for is they they are well connected, you know, with the organization. Um, and they care about the organization. And they care about you know, the city and, and, and putting on a good performance for the city of Indianapolis. So I, I do believe there's a guilt, and I think it, it, it runs through all of us of, of how this thing ended um, and, you know, finding out and figuring out why and moving forward and not letting it happen again
2: in these weeks that you have of evaluating the the offseason and preparing for the draft and for free agency what is the process in evaluating the quarterback position and then also how valuable is Frank's input on that position as well and across the offense really not just the quarterback position
1: well look the quarterback position and I don't I don't care who you have you know at the position at the time I think you, every year you've got to evaluate it in full both free agents and uh the draft. I mean, it's that it's that important, you know, um, and it's one that we'll exhaust each and every year, and, and we do with our scouts and our coaches. Um, and Frank's value comes in that you know the success he's had in developing you know players, and and offensively you know the success he's had. You know, one of the real strengths of Frank and the and the entire offensive staff, for that matter, is their ability to do and put the put the quarterback in position to succeed, you know, really playing to his strengths, um, allowing him to have success based on what his, what, what he's best at. And I think they do that with, with all our players, but especially with Frank, with the quarterback position one, cause he played it mm-hmm. um, and played it for so long. So he understands how they think, what they're thinking, what they're seeing, cause he's been there before. Um, so there's no question is his input's very valuable.
0: You, you mentioned Jonathan Taylor in your season-ending press conference, and you know over the course of an hour and six minutes, you know the, the questions were what they were based on how the season ended. But I feel like we didn't really dig into JT's season a whole lot. So, Larry and I were talking about this, you know, as we were talking about what we wanted to talk to you about. And Jonathan's going to have a lot of expectations on him next year. You lead the league in rushing by 500 something yards. You are an MVP candidate in your second year. And
2: you just turned 23 years old. And you just old. turned
0: 23 years old today as we're recording this. What gives you, what do you know about Jonathan that, that gives you confidence that those, those that pressure and the expectation of following up such an amazing season won't weigh on him? And on top of that, what tells you that he still has room to grow and, and that we could still see a better version of him?
1: Well, look, I mean, like the one thing about John, I mean, like I thought what he did last year was pretty special too, the last eight games and, and. You know, he was really, you know, he had a unique season. But I don't expect anything different from Jonathan. Just knowing how he works and his how he prepares and his mindset. Like, he wants to be great. Um, and he's driven to be great. And he's driven to whatever it takes. He'll do whatever it takes to be great. And I'll tell you the other thing that he's driven to do is, is win. So, like, if Jonathan rushes for 900 yards in a season and we win – 14 games and go and win a Super Bowl. Jonathan Taylor is going to be as excited as anybody. Um, I don't think he'll feel any more pressure than he puts on himself to perform. That's he. This kid's a rare competitor, and I think he, he and and he rises to the occasion of whatever it is that you need him to do and whatever the team needs to do for us to win. He will do it. Um, so I don't. I don't think that there's anything that you're gonna you're gonna any kind of expectations you're not gonna that the outside pressure is gonna put on him that he doesn't put on himself
0: one of the things Chris I talked about with Brian Decker earlier this year was just the idea of internal motivation versus external motivation and are you motivated by external things like for JT like winning the MVP but internal it seems like he has so much more internal motivation like you just see how uncomfortable he was every time you'd bring up hey like you want MVP like you you might win MVP like your back-to-back offensive player of the month like is it that internal motivation for JT that we're
1: kind of talking about here he's a well there's no doubt I mean look he doesn't he's not driven by what the outside world says about him Um, and you know he's driven by being you know the best player he can be and the best teammate he can be you know that that's what makes him really unique
2: and Looking at Jonathan Taylor and speaking to his selflessness, I remember after the loss to the Raiders, doing an interview out in the hallway with with Jonathan. We're of course asking him about breaking Edgerrin's record and all of that, but then I asked him about Michael Pittman Jr. hitting that thousand yard receiving mark, and that was where Jonathan like lit up, was getting to talk about Michael Pittman Jr. How impressed have you been with his emergence? What do you really credit this great second season that Michael Pittman Jr. had?
1: Well, look, he is. We just we were talking about play our, our offense today this morning and like my Pitt Pitt is a highly competitive, tough and extremely driven, um, and he wants to be. I mean, like there is a real will to be great, and I think it like I think you, it shows on game day. Just you know, you can it didn't take long to see his toughness and um, how he plays the game. But what people don't see is after after meetings after walkthrough. Watch him come into the indoor every Wednesday and Thursday and catch an extra five hundred to seven hundred balls. You know that's that's the stuff people don't see, and that's what you know he's driven to be the best player that he can be.
0: Along those lines of a you know a young player having a you know doing some impressive things, Quiddy, What did you see out of his rookie season, Quiddy Pay?
1: Yeah, um, Quiddy was good. Um, I mean, of course, you know I think Quiddy would tell you want to see more sack numbers. But you know, for any rookie coming in, learning to rush the passer in this league is different than it is in college football. You know, you're dealing with a much more skilled offensive tackle position. Um, that you know, most of these guys have been in the league a while and know how to. You know, they understand how to play. So, but but quitty did a lot of really good things, um, and he's going to just continue to get better because he's got the right makeup um, that you want out of a player. I mean, he works. He doesn't get discouraged um he continues to grow um, and he will he's got a really good skill set Quiddy's going to be a quitty's going to be a good pro for a long time
2: it seems like that some of the games where Quiddy was at his best, it was in compliment to Dio Adangbo as well. For Dio coming off of the injury, where do you expect him to take off at the beginning of next season? Should he be able to really stay healthy over the course of this offseason, given the fact that he was able to probably have more of a 2021 regular season than a lot of people expected coming off of an Achilles tear?
1: It was a tough deal for him. And we knew it when we drafted him that, you know, no off season, all rehab. Um, really doesn't get into action until, you know, midway through the season. So this is going to be a big off offseason for Dio just from a training standpoint because he's healthy. He can get an actual real training on his body. He needs some work that he's got to do. He knows it. Um, and then from a fundamental standpoint, you know, really learning the little things you need at the position to play. Um, we, we still think he's got really high upside. Um, and I think it's going to be fun to watch him develop this off season.
0: So, Chris, uh, there have been, you know, a couple of your guys have had interviews around the league. Ed Dodds had an interview with the Chicago Bears this week, I believe. Morocco Brown is having an interview there. Um, you know, some reports out there that Ed might have an interview with the Las Vegas Raiders. Why, why are teams so consistently drawn? to Ed Dodds and Morocco Brown, like what qualities do they have for these open GM jobs?
1: Well, they're good. I mean, like, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> they're good. It's uh, like you, like when you're on the road, um, people, I mean, like people get to see you work and they know who works and who doesn't work. And then your personality show, like both of them have really strong leadership traits um, they're excellent, excellent evaluators and team builders. And I'm very, we're very fortunate for them to be here in Indy right now. And I know at some point, you know, we're going to lose one, if not both, uh, of both those guys. Um, we want people to grow. We want them to hit their ceiling of whatever they, their career aspirations are. I think both of them are very, very talented, you know, evaluators and leaders. And I, and I think that's why people are attracted to them. Chris, I've had
2: the privilege to work on with the next pick the past few seasons, work with you and work with your team on allowing fans, allowing the NFL such great access and insight into the draft process and the draft room. And you have always been one who has been a strong proponent of really promoting those personalities like Ed, like Morocco, a number of the other guys, your scouts, everyone who contributes in that room. Why have you not been afraid to put those guys on display, knowing that the more that they're out there, that's only going to cause people to perhaps be more drawn to them and get even greater exposure to the special dynamic that you have in that draft room?
1: You, I mean, I tell all our guys this. I want you want you know I want people to understand the work um, that is being done and who's doing the work. Like I just fold the tacos, man. They, they, you know, they fill it. I just fold it, and I'm lucky, I'm fortunate, and I want people to know the work they do, Um, and it's not as a, and also, like, when we do things like, you know, with the next pick, we, you know, we just did hard knocks, you know, you want to take your fans on the journey with you, Um, and, you know, through the good and the bad, like, I mean, it's easy to, it's easy to show up in the sunlight and show everything in the sunlight, but it's hard when it gets a little dark, but... Look, our fans deserve to, to understand what we're doing, understand the people that are putting it together, know our team, and, and come along the journey with us. That's why we're open, and that's the way we are, you know, why we are the way we are.
0: So, you know, Ed and Morocco, this isn't the first time they've had opportunities and interviews, uh, you know, with other teams. So uh, I'm guessing you probably have plans already in place of like, hey, if, if Ed gets this job or, or Rock gets this job of how to fill it,
1: Yeah, we got a talented group here, um, and it goes past those, you know, just those two guys. I mean, we've got a we've got a a bunch of very experienced scouts, um, who some of them have been in the building since you know since Bill Polian, you know, during those great Mm -hmm. runs with um, you know with Peyton and that group, Um, and you know, it's one where you know eventually it's just kind of a natural build where, you know, guys move on to better things and guys move up and accept, you know, bigger roles.
2: Chris, last week when you met with the media, you mentioned that you didn't anticipate any major off-season procedures for your players. Is that still the case? Anything that you have had develop over the course of the last week? No,
1: not right now. I think we're going into the off-season in pretty good shape from a a health standpoint.
0: So that kind of lends itself to, you know, as you look ahead to the the next step in players in the off season in the spring in the offseason program and I mean, this is now the third season that the pandemic has affected the NFL offseason and God willing by the time we get to May it won't be as bad as it is now or has been in the past but how detrimental has the lack of the offseason been you know and in, in just having to modify it and work within some different parameters that you never had to work with in the past as you kind of prioritize and restructure things to benefit this team the most.
1: Well, you know, the one thing is like everybody's playing under the same set of rules. So, from that standpoint, it kind of is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but saying like we got to learn to live with this, like it's not going away. Like COVID is not going away, and we've got to learn not only as a league, which I think we're adjusting pretty good right now, you know, but as a as a society, you know, how to move forward and still function at a high level. You know, because, you know, COVID's not going away and we gotta to learn to live with it and we gotta still learn to to, you know, live a normal maybe it's a new normal, um, but a normal life here going forward.
0: I think that's about it then we got for you, Chris here. Um, thanks so much for taking the time awesome. with us here on the Colts Official Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the Colts Audio Network wherever you get your podcast. For Lara Overton, I'm JJ Stankovitz, thank you again so much to Chris Ballard for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time here on the Colts Audio Network.